let's go to Ezekiel 33 today. I want to preface the remarks and some of the information uh, with what it says here at the beginning of Ezekiel 33. It says, Again, the word of the Eternal came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people. And today that would mean, in a smaller sense, the spiritual uh, converted of God, the nation of the church, if you will, and in a larger sense then to the physical nation that we see about us. And there is a message in Ezekiel, as is in all the prophecies, to the church first and secondarily to the nations of Israel, and then circumstantially to the Gentile world around. <clears throat> so he said, speak to your people. And this message goes out, first of all, to you, secondarily to those wherever they may be in the greater church of God, splintered as it is, who might pick it up on uh, on our website or however it may come to them. And then, lastly, it's there for anybody in this nation who wants to pick it up and look at it. We've got it on the website. So, it's there, and I am conjoined not to try to preach it to the world at this point in a, an active and open way by God Himself through Scripture. So, it is primarily to you and to the church that uh, I am addressing today. In the light of what God... You'll see how the connection comes here in a moment. <clears throat> when I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coasts and set him for their watchman, now, does that mean then that the people choose their own watchman? Yes, to some degree, that is true. Uh, for instance, when this little group began, I had no intention, whatever, of starting yet another splinter group of the Worldwide Church of God. I thought there were certainly plenty, and I understood that it would keep splintering. So when God gave me the information that He gave me, I began to preach it immediately, and then I was disfellowshipped from the group uh, that I was with at the time over essentially the calendar, because God had shown me how the calendar works. And very few to this day understand that. Even the calendar groups who use the calendar as their centerpiece, they still don't know how the calendar works. They don't know its history, and they don't know its prophetic significance. So God has shown us that. But when people called me after I was out of uh, uh, the group that I was with, I had no intention of starting another group. Some people started calling and saying, well, what are you going to do? Why is this happening and where are you going for the feast? I said, I'm going to Zion. And some then said, well, I want to go too. And I, I did not even know, but maybe a couple of families from the past. And the others were people I'd never heard of who showed up. And they asked me to be their pastor. So there were 70 there, and that grew to 120 the next year and 150 the year after that. 
Then it began to shrink and has continued to shrink since. And I think there are reasons for that that can be perhaps defined. But at any rate, they had asked me to be their watchman, and I agreed to go ahead and do it, so this little congregation was born. Anyway, let's move on from that and see that it was not just those 70 who were there who were involved, but there is another presence. But first of all, if that watchman, when he sees the sword come upon the land, he blowed the trumpet and warned the people. Then soever hears the sound of the trumpet and sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him, but he that takes warning shall deliver his soul. So when the watchman sees danger and knows it is coming and warns, then it is upon you what you do with that. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So the work will come, and it will come to people who still have sin. If they don't heed, because of their iniquity, it will be ta- they will be taken away. But the blood will be on their head. So you, O son of man, I have set you a watchman to the house of Israel. So it wasn't just the people who set up Ezekiel or others, but God himself. So he told Ezekiel, I have set you a watchman to the house of Israel, therefore you shall hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die, if you do not speak to warn the wicked man from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hand. So the warning to any watchman that is appointed of men and or of God has a responsibility to warn people. And it's not just that danger is coming, duck. The message is to warn of iniquity and sin, of wrong attitude, and in the context of today's church, self-righteousness, ego, and lackadaisical approaches to God. That is iniquity and sin in itself because it is idolatry putting self or the desires of self or what we might want in this world ahead of God. So, there is a warning given. Now, I want to, I don't really want to, but I will, say this much. God appointed me to be a watchman. How? Several different ways. But the primary way was giving me knowledge and understanding of the Scriptures and what was to be and what was happening in the church and why and what would happen and where it would go. And by giving that understanding and knowledge, there was a commission to preach that. And that commission was shown in various ways directly 
and very forcefully to me that this message needed to go out. Now, none of you would be here today, sitting in these chairs, or listening on the phone line, if you had not heard the message that has been preached since February of 1996, at least some parts of it, and primarily, I suppose, the Minor Prophet series. You simply would not be here if God had not given me that knowledge, because it is what you heard of that that opened your mind to some scriptures that you felt you had to follow. <clears throat> now, it is not of me. It is of God. He could have chosen someone else. But God does say he chooses the weak and base to confound the wise. So, you've got to live with that. Okay? Now, we have had people who have come here hearing the message and have, for whatever reasons, left. Part of it, impatience. Maybe beginning to disbelieve because things didn't happen as quickly as they thought they might. But I think probably one of the biggest problems involved is that they began to look at me. And when they began to look at me, instead of God who gave me the message he gave me, they began to get discouraged. Now let me let you in on a little secret. When I look at me, I get discouraged too. So, how could it be any other way than when you look at me, you would also get discouraged? Because I am far from perfect. Now, you know what I try to do? I try to get my mind off me as quickly as I can. And it would be wise of you to do the exact same thing and get your focus back on God and what He is doing here and the knowledge that we have that brought us here and where it goes from here. If you will look at God's Scriptures instead of at me and you'll look at God and what He is doing, you'll survive. But if you keep your eye on Daryl and what he might or might not do wrong or has done wrong or whatever, you will get discouraged and frustrated and miserable, just like I do when I look at me. It's not a pretty picture, and if you think I'm bad, I know even better than you do how bad I am. Okay? I have an inside on that. So it really doesn't matter. If you responded to God's scriptures, you came here because of those scriptures, not because of me. And if somewhere along the line you lost your focus and got your eyes on me, you're in trouble. Sorry. You better get them back on God and what his word says. Some have called me hard-headed hard-nosed, or implied that it's my way or the highway, or various other expressions they've used. Well, 
That's pretty much the way it is, brethren. God said he gave Ezekiel a forehead of flint. Heart could be in the head. And I think God has given me the same thing. When he revealed what he revealed to me in the scriptures and in other ways, he made it very clear that I was not to be a reed shaken in the wind, and that I had certain things that had to be done involving this area and this village, and how they should be taken care of, and how they should be built, and what should go on. And it doesn't matter what anybody thinks about how it is set up, or what has been done, or what will be done. I am doing it as best as I absolutely level honestly can according to the instructions God gave me. And I will be hard-headed about it. I will be hard-headed about these scriptures. And you cannot change it because God will not allow it, nor will I. So long as he gives me breath to continue. That's just the way it is. So it is, in that sense, my way or the highway. Sorry. If you can't handle that, there's the highway. That's not going to change. Some would like me to confess every sin or every bad thought I've ever had. That's Catholic, you know. The Catholics have a confession booth. We don't. God tells each and every one of us to confess and forsake our sins and attitudes. Confess to him, not to some holy father on earth who's unholy. And the Catholics don't even go so far as to make the priests enter a confessional booth to the congregation, do they? Never heard of such a thing. Herbert Armstrong never addressed any of the charges that were brought against him, whether they were true or false, and I won't either. Live with it. I confess them to God and I work every day and pray about it that God will help me overcome my weaknesses, my faults, my mistakes, or whatever I do. Daily. Be merciful on me, a sinner. So God appointed me to this job by virtue of the knowledge he gave me, which no one to this date still understands except you and a few others who have heard it. If he had given it to anyone else, brethren, there would be somebody else here preaching these things from this area. Because this is where it's at. This is what it's about. This is where Zion and Jerusalem are. This is where the promised land originally was. And God has not given that information and that knowledge to any other group on the face of the earth, or they would be here. Now, I delivered it, at least in large part, to one other organization, who essentially rejected it. But I do believe, with all my heart, they are going to have to face it again. Since then, they've dissed me back and forth, off and on to some degree. That's their problem, not mine. 
God gave me a job to do, and as long as he gives me breath and keeps me in that job, I'm going to do it as best I can the way he explained it to me. And make no, no mistake, whether you believe that or not, if this information was available anywhere else, you could go there and get it. You could leave here, but you won't find it anywhere else. And those who have left have rejected parts of it, or all of it, to this point. Now, I'm not asking anyone to leave. I haven't disfellowshipped anyone. But we've had people leave. And I think part of the reason, and maybe the biggest reason, is they began to lose sight of what the Scriptures say and the message that is here and began to focus on Daryl Henson. It's not me, brethren. It's God. It's God who brought various doctrines to my attention from Scripture or had them delivered by other messengers and some of those turned out to be valid based on Scripture and some turned out to be spurious based on Scripture some I accepted after studying them, some I rejected. But it all has to do with Scripture. So if you consider me a problem, I'm afraid you're also considering God a problem. Because it was at His behest and His guidance that I know what I know today and have been able to explain what I have explained from Scripture. So God set me as a watchman here. The very fact of the information that is being disseminated proves that. And you cannot remove me. God can in one heartbeat. And he may so choose to do. I have no control over that except to diligently obey him the very best I can and turn to him with all my heart. That is the only way I can prevent being removed, because God is merciful. So, if you lost focus, you better get it back on God and the truths that are here. Okay? <clears throat> Let's see. Verse 7. So you, O son of man, I have set a watchman to the house of Israel. Therefore you shall hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say to the wicked, and brethren, the whole church was wicked. We have been idolatrous, Laodicean in a word, lackadaisical and idolatrous and self-righteous, and judging one another, which is self-righteousness. And it is also idolatry because God is the judge, you and I are not. Okay? So these words are to the wicked. That would be you and me, who have been Laodicean. And I am afraid, to some degree, still are. I hope we're recovering. If you do not speak to warn the wicked man from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hand. I have no choice personally, but to be honest and after us and uncovering 
whatever sins the Bible says are here that you and I have imbibed of in warning you to change. I try not to overlord you in any way. I don't go around to your houses preaching at you individually. I don't try to make you do anything. I do preach powerfully. God does not want me to be a reed shaken in the wind. He said, cry aloud and spare not. So that's what I do. Sometimes it's not popular. I'm sorry. But it's not my words, brethren. It's God's words. It is His words that you don't like have preached to you. His words to take care of your body physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally, and in every way. Every sermon I give is about Christian living. Everyone. Because I urge you to think like Christ and act like Christ and take care of things the way He would. And I warn you what will happen if you don't. So it's all about Christian living. That's all prophecy is about, is Christian living. The details of what will happen, when and where, is, in, is inconsequential by comparison. Now, they're in here, so they are important. But the big message is what do we do about you and me? And by that I mean what do I do about me and what do you do about you? You can't change me, and I can't change you. And I'm not going to try on a personal level beyond a certain point to tell you, mostly from here, what is wrong with all of us. And then we have to respond to that. Now, I use that introduction because I want to get into some things that are happening and have really come forward in the last week or two or three. But I wanted to preface it with, and then I see an incredible danger coming upon not only the church at this point, which has almost been destroyed, but now upon the nation, which is about to be destroyed. And events are accelerating very, very rapidly. So I want to spend the rest of the time focusing on what is happening and is about to happen that is going to affect your life and mine very greatly. First, this was Ephesians 13. We have a beast described here. This comes out of from among the people, having seven heads and ten horns, and there have been various people or nations that have been ascribed to being this. But this is a beast, and one of its heads will be wounded to the death, a mortal wound given, but will be come will come back and the deadly wound healed, and will then have the attention of the whole world. I thought of Putin when he disappeared. I don't know what has happened there for sure to this day, but something happened, and he's back. But I think it is quite clear by now that Russia is the Assyrian of the Bible. It is not Germany, which is probably a mostly Israelite country. Uh, some have said Gad and Asher are there, but I think 
It may very well be that there is a strong element of Dan there as well, you know, where the Danube runs, uh, because it is Germany that has bitten the heels of the other brothers of Israel in World War I and World War II. So, I am beginning to feel that Germany is probably a majority Israelite. There may be some Gentiles there, but be that as it may, Russia has taken the lead of this new world order along with China and other of their allies, and it is shaping up as a battle royal between the United States and these other countries at this point. But this beast, otherwise described as the times of the Gentiles, will reign for 42 months in verse 5. Now, that is not about to start. There have to be some preliminary things first. The church has to be blessed, and the temple of God and Jerusalem have to be built before that 42 months starts, because it does not start until Jerusalem and the temple are defiled there uh, in Daniel. So those have to be done first. But that does not mean that the United States will not be destroyed ahead of the 42 months that the times of the Gentiles occurs, the three and a half years of great tribulation described in many places. Anyway, this beast and the false prophet who will then accompany him and points to the beast as the ruler of the earth, is going to have great power. Verse 16 of chapter 13, And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he had that mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and it's 666. So this beast is coming and the whole world is going to war against it, I mean go along with it, but he will make in verse 7 war with the saints to overcome them. And we know from scriptures we've already seen many times that 90% of the church is going to be left behind and be at the unmercy of the beast power and be martyred and killed. Now, let's go to chapter 17. Here we see Babylon the Great, which we've shown to be America of today, in verse 5. And chapter 18 uh, describes this harlot, this fallen woman, this Babylon the Great, and those definitions and descriptions there can only apply to one nation on earth today, and that is this one that we are living in. Can't be any other nation. No, no other nation fits all those descriptions in Revelation 18 and other scriptures, Isaiah 47 and 8, for, for instance. Anyway, verse 15, he says to me, you, The waters which you saw where the whore sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. Right now, geopolitically, there is only one recognized superpower since the Berlin Wall fell, and that's the United States. We are the ones who have ruled over the peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues, and had to, to our will or be attacked. 
Washington, D.C. is the biggest terrorist organization on earth. We pointed Iran or Al-Qaeda or whatever group we want to talk about at the moment. But it is America, the United States, that has terrorized nation after nation. The terrorists in the Middle East may terrorize a bus. They may terrorize a market with somebody blowing themselves up. But we terrorize nations. Not a few. They have bent to the will of the United States, especially since World War II. Now, the groundwork for all this was laid long before that with different agreements that were made. But geopolitically, the United States dollar was appointed as the reserve currency of the world. And all trade had to be settled in American dollars to be valid. And all oil had to be sold and paid for with American dollars. Now that trust was given to us by the nations of the world. And we were not wise stewards. We were selfish. And we used that position of having the reserve currency to feather our nests and to oppress others. Now, there began to be resentment as a result of the power that we held and our misuse of that power. So, here and there, people made up their minds that they would set a gold standard or use their own currency and make a deal with oil producers to buy oil from them with their own currency or with gold. And what immediately happened when those suggestions were made was an attack from corporate America. It happened in Iraq because Saddam Hussein was going to sell oil for gold. It happened in Libya because Gaddafi was going to sell oil for gold. It has happened in several places, and we have been threatening and blustering in Iran because they were going to set up a bourse to do the exact same thing. We were going to try to take Syria as a stepping stone for air bases to invade Iran, but the Russians interceded and stopped that. And we were not able to do it a couple years ago, or whenever it was. Now, we have been agitating against Iran since, except that there is a fly in the ointment. And that is that some of the people in Washington like Iran, and they have leanings toward Muslim beliefs and Muslim people and the Muslim Brotherhood. And as a result, there are those who were agitating for war with Iran and Syria, but it isn't happening because of the affinity that some of our leaders have for the Muslim world. So that has been the geopolitical standing, the status quo, if you will, of the world since World War II. We have been the one superpower 
that the rest of the world has had to knuckle under to. They're getting very, very tired of it. Now, in the last two or three weeks, there have been things that have been going on behind the scenes and deals having been being made that are right now surfacing very, very rapidly. In fact, they're escalating and accelerating so fast, it's hard to keep up with. The BRICS nations were formed some years ago. That is an alliance between Brazil, Russia, China, uh, India, and South Africa. So the acronym is the BRICS. But China is the leader of that group because of their economic might. They're the large frog in that pond, if you will. Now, Saudi Arabia has begun to make noises about selling oil apart from the dollar. And just this past week, an organization has been named and provided called the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank. And there are billboards in China now that show the yuan in gold being the currency of the world, or the reserve currency of the world, in opposition to the U.S. dollar being the currency of the world. Now, this poses problems for the United States, because if our dollar hegemony goes away, if we are no longer the reserve currency of the world and our dollar has to be used, no one will want it anymore. And in fact, most nations do not want it anymore, but they don't know what else to do. Now, China and the BRICS have given them a viable option. Look at the name of that, the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank. Asia needs infrastructure. They need trillions of dollars of it. And they are looking to the world to invest in this bank, to put their investments there instead of U.S. Treasury bonds or in America, and support and finance the building of China and Russia and the other BRICS nations. They, are, they have been buying gold left and right as fast as they can so that they can back it with gold, and America has no gold left. And in 1971, Nixon removed any backing of gold from the U.S. dollar. It's just paper now. And the only thing it has is its reserve currency status, which China has now announced is going away. This is a big problem. It will destroy the American economy entirely. It will utterly collapse, and the U.S. dollar will be worth less than toilet paper. It's too slick. What are we going to do? Russia, China, India have made deals to use the yuan and the ruble and so on. Up until today, if any country made noises like that, we simply attacked, destroyed that possibility. We hedged on Iran partly because we have Muslims in Washington and partly because Russia and China stood behind 
Iran, and we were a little afraid to go there. But the U.S. policymakers decided some time back that they were going to have to do something about this before it became real with the BRICS. So we deposed the government of the Ukraine, and we have been poking at the Russian bear, trying to find weakness there, seeking to find a way to win this whole thing. Make no mistake, we're the ones that caused the problems in Ukraine, just like in Iraq and Libya and other places. And the world knows it, whether you do or not. But to maintain the dollar as the world reserve currency, we now have to defeat China, Russia, India, and all their allies. And now, this week, since they have announced that this Asian bank will become operative on April 15th, that's not very far away, other nations have joined in with it. The United Kingdom, Britain, France, Germany, Italy, South Korea is about to, not just North Korea, but South Korea. NATO is falling apart before our very eyes. Because those nations who have been our strongest allies are now departing from us and joining the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank as the coming world currency. The only way America can survive is to create World War III. Now do you understand why we're poking at the Russian bear in the Ukraine? It's our only hope. They now have, in that bank, 35 members, and other nations of the world are looking at that and beginning to realize they need to be there too. It's like rats on a ship. You know, rats can make a very comfortable living on a ship as long as they feel safe and secure that that ship is going to continue to float. But as the story goes, when a ship begins to sink, the rats get off the ship. The USS United States is sinking rapidly, and the rats are getting off the ship. Not that I want to call those nation rats, but I'm using the metaphor. We are sinking, and fast. Now, while this is happening... There is a Sunni Muslim coalition now, which has just been announced, of ten nations of the Sunni extraction. There are basically two divisions of the Muslim world today, the Sunnis and the Shiites. And the Sunni nations have formed a coalition, a coalition I mean, of ten nations, but it has expanded already to 22 
under the military umbrella, maybe not just economic and political, but militarily, there are already 22 nations who have signed up. What we see emerging, brethren, is with China and Russia, who will be the leader of the King of the North, the King of the North forming before our very eyes. The Russians have troops stationed in the Arctic, across from Alaska, and they have Russian troops, according to many, many reports, right here on our soil. We see the King of the South coming together, the Sunnis to fight the Shiites, but they also recognize there's a greater danger in the world, that would be us. And at some point, I do believe, the Sunnis and the Shiites are going to get over their brotherly quarrel, and they will unite against, first the United States, and then against the King of the North. So Daniel 11 is happening before our very eyes, and it has developed incredibly in the last three weeks, and especially in this last week. Now, also understand that the banking cartel that has essentially controlled finances in the world since World War II, with the United States as their puppet, puppet, namely the Rothschilds, Rockefellers, and others of that ilk, the banksters. Now, where do they fit in with all this? Well, understand this first. The Rothschilds are not Israelites. They are, to all intents and purposes and everything I can find out, essentially Edomites. That's why they have the red badge of Esau. And that is why they are fighting the United States. If you read the book of Obadiah, you will find that Edom will get the upper hand over Israel, particularly Ephraim, in the latter days. So, the Rockefellers and Rothschilds and that bankster cartel are not on our side. They're quickly doing everything they can to destroy us. Now, we are that great whore of Ezekiel 16. God makes it very clear there that that is Israel. And when you read Revelation 18 and plug that knowledge in, we are the great whore of Revelation. This nation is the mighty Babylon of the end time. And it says that the beast and the false prophet will destroy the whore. So what is shaping up is a world war which will be aimed at the United States. Okay? They will, there will be a great coalition of nations who have decided they're tired of our terrorism and will destroy us. We read in Jeremiah 50, let's see, oh, I'm in 51, no wonder. Speaking of this end-time Babylon, it says in verse 15, Shout against her, round about, she has given her hand. Her foundations are fallen, her walls are thrown down. 
So, in the midst of this BRICS coalition that is coming together in the King of the North, we have from God's own mouth through Jeremiah that we are willingly making covenants with these enemy nations of Ephraim, our nation here, and the other Israelite nations to destroy us. That's what they're up and doing. So our own government is selling us out to the king of the north and the king of the south. We have opened our southern border to let anyone come in who wants in. Not just Mexicans, but anywhere on the earth. So we're allowing terrorists of any ilk to come in at will. We have sold out. I have seen the signs myself in some of our national parks and other places, which call it a World Heritage Park. I just saw one on Google Earth the other day. I flipped the picture up at another nation. I forget where it was. They called one of their national parks a World Heritage Park. We've sold out to the UN. We're selling out to the Chinese. They're buying us out. They have trillions of dollars in their pocket they don't know what to do with. So they're going to take collateral, and that is this nation. The Bible makes it very clear in Isaiah 8 that there is a confederacy or a conspiracy or a coalition, if you will, of many nations that are gathering this nation, Israel, Ephraim. It will not be... Ten nations in Western Europe, as you were led to believe by Worldwide Church of God. Those are essentially Israelite nations there, and they will be fed as cannon fodder to the Gentile coalition. Some of them are joining it now, through this Asian bank, but they will be betrayed. We, behind the scenes, have been trying to keep them out of it because we realize they also are getting rid of the U.S. dollar. No one wants it anymore. Individual investors still buy treasury bonds because they've had no other place to go that seemed at all safe. But once this Asian bank gets going good, it will be the safe haven that they will all go to and they'll drop the dollar like a hot rock. And all the welfare programs, all the food stamps, all the social security, all the disablement, all the social programs we have will be cut off completely. Now, in the middle of all this, what time is it getting to be? In the middle of all this, it has hit the news in the last week, especially, maybe two weeks, that there is a military exercise that is going to be instituted in the United States, uh, officially starting on July 15th of this year. Military documents have been posted on the website to prove this. It's not just the figment of someone's imagination. But they targeted, with this program, First of all, the southwestern United States, and they have designated each of the states with a degree of uh, hostility against the United States government. Utah and Texas have been designated as hostile. 
Arizona has been designated as perhaps friendly. And since they made this designation a week or two ago and it began to come out, just the last couple of days, they have added Louisiana, parts of Mississippi and Alabama, and Florida to this military exercise. And already, black helicopters are being seen moving people around in Texas and in Florida as of yesterday and the day before. Now, this is ostensibly about protecting Americans from terrorism. You know how many Americans have been killed here by terrorists from other places? Very few. Very few. You know how many have been killed by the police? In America today, this country is, you in this country, are 70 times more likely to be shot by a policeman than any other country on earth. And it is increasing by the week. Now let me give you the name of this military exercise. Kind of a strange name. But they call it Jade Helm 15. That's the code name for it in the military. You know where Jade comes from? China. They're known for their jade artwork. They produce probably the preponderance of jade in the world. So we called it Jade, China. Helm. What is the helm? The helm is the head. The helm is the wheel on a boat, a ship. Whoever controls the helm controls the ship. And they called it Jade Helm 15, meaning it is going to occur in 2015. So put the name together, and China will be at the helm in this nation in 2015. That's this year, if you hadn't noticed. And we're already through the first quarter, lacking three days. And at the same time, this Asian bourse to settle debts is being launched on April 15th, unless it's delayed for some reason. And you have a coalition of the King of the South coming together as we speak. Now, this was being done behind the scenes, but it has all come to the forefront just in these last few weeks, especially the last one or two. Now, if we are being sold out as early as the summer or fall or winter of this year, then this drill may turn live. It's all being set up. It's all being organized already. But the official launch is July 15th, as announced by the military. And already people are getting accustomed to seeing the helicopters flying over and the setup of this program. But why didn't they label it something like, we're going to do a drill to help keep terrorists from molesting American citizens? 
why did they list the states that they are going to use this on as either friendly or hostile? Those states are composed of American people, brethren. It is us they hold hostile. It is us they call the enemy. It is us that Washington has made deals with these people to sell us out. Our own government is the biggest terrorist organization on earth, bar none. And the rest of the world painfully understands that. Your government, according to God's own word in Jeremiah 50, has made deals to sell you out. Just a fact. They are also apparently going to employ Russian soldiers to help in this military drill, they call it, of Jade Helm 15. The sword is at the gate. Will it all happen this year? It may very well. You know what that means? If that be true, if this doesn't go on one more year, and I don't think it could possibly go beyond one more with as fast as it is accelerating today, that means that the gathering of God's people has to occur between now and the time that the collapse financially and the military takeover of this nation occurs. Because Jeremiah 50 opens up with people saying, how do I get to Zion? Isaiah 47 and 48 detail uh, Jacob, us, and our troubles, and the collapse of Babylon. And I think it's in Isaiah 48 where it says, get away from Babylon as fast as you can. You heard that message years ago, brethren, from Micah 4. And from other scriptures, Isaiah 52, 53, 52 mainly. You've been hearing it for years now. You were warned ahead of time. I'm bringing this sermon to give, in a sense, a final warning. That it isn't something that's somewhere in a cloudy prophecy. It doesn't take the prophecies of the Bible at this point to comprehend what is about to happen to the American Empire. It is done for. Its goose is cooked. And it will come down within months. I don't know whether that means three or twenty-four. But we're counting it by months now. And in fact, if you're tuned to the alternate media that tells a lot of truth, not all, but a lot. You see it now, not yearly or monthly, but weekly and day to day as more and more of it comes out. I want to turn to one more scripture. Someone in the alternative media used this one, and it reminded me of it very strongly. 
they're misapplying it uh, because they don't understand who the king of the north and the king of the south is, and perhaps they don't understand that we are the Babylon and the great whore of the Bible that God condemns and is going to have destroyed. The second Chronicles 7, <clears throat> here in verse 11, well, to pick up the context a little bit, Solomon had just built the temple, and God said if they would obey and follow him, he would stay in that temple and be there forevermore. Then he said in verse 13, If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. California, according to an article I just read, has maybe one more year, 2016, before it goes completely dry and people are dying of thirst in the streets. Lake Mead and Lake Powell are getting very low. And the snowpack this year has not been good. So it is going to get incrementally worse. God is sending drought and pestilence upon this nation. Ezekiel 5 shows very, very clearly the one-third will die of famine and pestilence, one-third will die by the sword and war, and one-third will go into slavery. That's going to happen in this country in the next few months. Verse 14, if my people, which are called by my name, that would be you and me and others who understand. If my people shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. 